What's up, Orange County? We're back with another episode here, and we are getting just that much closer to the start of the season for Orange County Soccer Club. As we're recording, I believe we're 25 days away from the home opener. But that means we're even closer to the season opener uh, for Orange County in the 2021 season, and it's getting exciting. I hope you're all getting excited as excited as I am, and we're going to talk about that plus a little bit more. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. Follow us on Twitter at OCSC underscore SoccerCast or on Facebook at Orange and Black Soccer Cast. How's it going, Orange County? Welcome to another episode of the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club its fans and supporters. I'm your host, Ray Samora, and I will be taking you through this wonderful journey all season long as we discuss Orange County Soccer Club. Joining me as he does since day one, each and every episode, the man himself, the legend from Caroline Coalition. We've got Dylan. Dylan, how's it going, man? It's good, but what do I qualify as a, as a legend? I'm a bit well, uh, well, you're like the first uh, person to do play-by-play officially. I think you were the first voice on the play-by-play for our podcast, for our live stream of the game. So that's a, a way to qualify as, as a legend, right? The jury's out, but we can let someone um, in the comments decide, I guess. Or not. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm fine not being here, but... Or I'm fine not being legend, but I am um, very, very You're fine pleased. not being here, Dylan? I'm You're actually, fine not being here. I'm actually very, very pleased to be here. Um, so happy Tuesday evening or um, whatever time you're listening to this podcast. Definitely, definitely, definitely. And uh, let's also welcome in our other co-host here uh, who has been on with us every single episode since the beginning of this season. And that is Brad up in Reno. Brad, how's it going? It's going pretty well uh i also don't know what makes uh um dylan a legend uh i guess kind of usually when you think of legends you think of old tales but dylan's by far the youngest of us all in this podcast so okay by far okay old man jeez (laughs) you're a couple years younger than me and i'm what i consider still pretty young so so, okay, then we could let, let's change it. Legend in the making. There we go. We'll do legend in the making will be our new phrase like that. That's going to be your new official title, Dylan. Congratulations. And by the way, uh, you're watching. If you're watching live stream, you see me take a drink. It's my first couple sips of the night. So I'm not speaking off of uh, what I've been drinking. This is just me speaking. Um, and, you know, sometimes I say crazy stuff. Maybe this is one of those moments where I'm saying crazy stuff. By the way, if you didn't notice, we are missing uh, a face and a voice on this episode. I believe this person thought uh, there was a better podcast opportunity or live stream opportunity tonight. So he decided to go and be part of what well, I, I think it's called like a super pod is what they've called it or they've dubbed it. Um, so you'll be able to watch and or listen that if you're watching us, that means you're not watching them live unless they've ended. I don't know. Who knows? Oh, we're off to a great start, folks. Maybe I should just hand the reins off to Dylan uh, for this episode to give myself a break from the, the the moderating things. He doesn't look like he's happy with that. Um, but here's what we got going on today. Uh, we are briefly going to talk about the previous match, which was Orange County traveling out to Colorado Springs to open up the new stadium there uh, for the switchbacks, although we don't know much about it other than what everyone saw on social media. So we're going to just sort of give our thoughts based off of that. Uh, we're also going to just briefly look ahead. There's a doubleheader this weekend against two collegiate teams that Orange County will be hosting at Championship Championship Soccer Stadium. Yes. And so we'll just briefly talk about that and you know what to expect, what that means for the club. Uh, and then we're going to get into um, the beginning of our multi-episode season preview for Orange County. I know we did the Pacific Division preview, but now we're going to focus a little bit more on Orange County. 
Um, tonight we'll just sort of each pick three players from the roster that we think are going to be standout players. And we'll discuss that a little bit um, together. And then we have a guest that will be joining us a little bit later uh, to talk about what the fan experience is going to be like at Championship Soccer Stadium for those fans that are going to get the opportunity to make it out there. Whew, we're already like five minutes in and we haven't really talked about anything. So except for Dylan being a legend. So let's get into it. Uh, this past weekend, Orange County traveled out to Colorado Springs to help open up the new stadium out there. Uh, and it, what ended up being a 2-2 draw between uh, two USL teams that will actually meet each other later on in the regular season, which is uh, going to be pretty interesting. Um, I know, Brad, you you pulled up sort of the Twitter feed of this match, so you probably have it ready still, I'm hoping. Um, give us a brief rundown on how that match went for Orange County. All righty. Um, so looks like, you know, not much was really given. Uh, looks like there was actually a radio broadcast, but unfortunately I couldn't listen in. Um, there was an early goal for Colorado Switchbacks. Doesn't really give a time in the game. Um, looks like a Abraham, the starting goalie made a couple of really good early saves. Um, at halftime, the score was one to zero. Um, quickly becoming two to one in the second half and, or sorry, uh, one to one in the second half does not say, actually it does, uh, a goal for Rolando Damas to make the score one, one before it quickly becomes two to one, not even minutes later. Um, after that, uh, Rakowski enters the match. Uh, no more goals are scored by Colorado Switchbacks. And in the 83rd minute, Orange County equalizes. It does not say who. There we go. There's a, a great rundown of the match based off of social media from Brad, uh, who apparently is not the closest at least on the lines that go up and down on the globe we actually are closer to colorado springs is that latitude or longitude dylan you're, you're the smart one in this group the up and down lines up and down i believe is brad's oh, checking right now while we're talking because we know, don't I know don't what remember. we're talking I think about it's, i think it's backwards from what we imagine so i think it's latitude and longitude but i i really don't i'm sorry i don't remember um <laughs> It's you don't remember the, your your geography class here. Lateral is up and down. Yeah, there we Lateral go. Lateral is left to right. Longitude, longitude is up and down. Longitude is like I I, I remember it like that because for some reason I think I don't know why I think it's longer up and down, but lateral latitude. Okay, good to know. I already um, forgot what your question was, Ray. If it was important, it probably wasn't. Probably was it. Yeah, no, I want to just uh, get your ideas on a 2-2 draw where we don't really get to see much going on other than uh, Ronaldo Dumas uh, scoring um, or Damas, however you say his last name. That's what we're going to have to figure Damas. out. Damas, I, I, I do what? know. I do know from speaking with my with, with some of our contacts at the team is he strictly speaks French. So I'm going to assume Dylan's pronunciation of the last name when you're thinking the more French pronunciation is probably going to be more correct but who knows um but we do know that he scored a goal which i i think that's nice for a, a young potential you know young and upcoming player i know he had some good seasons in league one but now he's moving up a level what can we expect out of him well against sort of equal talent uh, in colorado springs he scores a goal is that good news for uh ronaldo and for the club dylan Yes, yes, it is. Um, apparently, it's it's apparently it's Damas to start from the beginning. Um, Chad's also piped in that the second goal was uh, an own goal from a corner kick, but uh, Raymond Dre had the last touch. Um, but ultimately, I think you're looking at a guy that was very, very good in League One, and it's not. I'm not convinced it's that big of a step up for some of these guys. I think some of the players that drop down really drop down because there's maybe just not a spot on a team. Um, when their contract's up. So I think it's a it's a natural progression, um, and he doesn't have a U.S. passport at the moment, so it's going to be a little bit harder for him to get into MLS um, or perhaps elsewhere. Um, so this is a good, good place for him to be. But we do have to consider Colorado Springs is a much, much improved team of, from the last three years, really. Um, I know they've had a revolving door, but they've basically become what Bethlehem Steel was a couple years ago, and that was actually a 
pretty good two side. And a lot of those players and most of the technical staff have returned. Now, obviously, the players are a little bit more experienced, a little bit better. There's some solid USL names um, that maybe we're not super familiar with because we're on the West Coast, um, and we can't be bothered to watch the East. It's very fair, very accurate, uh, or very valid. Um, but we do have to consider that Colorado Springs is at an elevation of over 6,000 feet. The old Widener Field was, I think, the highest uh, stadium in the continental United States, and I can't imagine that there's a higher stadium um, in Alaska or Hawaii. So that's a big test. At the beginning of the season where there's no match fitness, uh, 2-2 result is not not a bad, bad thing at all. No, definitely. And um, it's, it, it's showing now, you know, the, the, the match against LA Galaxy 2 was the first test against USL talent. Uh, and you could see the team struggled a little bit, but to travel to Colorado Springs um, for a preseason match and, and put out a solid outing like that, it's going to be positive signs for Orange County heading into the final weeks of the preseason. We have this upcoming weekend, the doubleheader against the two collegiate squads, and then the final um, warm-up match against Ventura Fusion before the season begins. And so this is the time where you're going to slowly start seeing Orange County put their uh, projected starters, getting them a little bit more minutes. And so we can anticipate the next three matches over a span of two weeks. We're going to start seeing a little bit more of what Orange County maybe is planning to do. I'm sure this weekend they're probably going to still tweak the system a little bit and see what they want to try out. Uh, But I can imagine that that match against Ventura, the last preseason match, we're going to probably see something very similar to what Orange County is going to put out on the pitch uh, come the start of the official games, the ones that count. Um, what do, what are your thoughts, Brad, as far as, you know, moving on to now this doubleheader this weekend against UC Riverside and uh, Azusa Pacific? Uh, really don't know much about those squads. I'm sure up there in Reno, that's not uh, front front page sports news uh, for you all either. Um, but what do you anticipate or what would you expect out of uh, Orange County going into this doubleheader? This is a true test of match fitness, you know, also of team roster depth. Uh, I can't imagine that in two 90-minute games, you're going to be subbing out goalies in the middle of, you know, each individual game. Uh, Obviously, you'd have one goalie in game one, one goalie in game two. You're not going to have three goalies across the two games. Um, So to give each goaltender 90 minutes to play with the team, um, not only that, but you're testing out the fitness of all your individual players. So it's very unlikely that you're going to see substitutions. You're going to have your first squad, you know, probably your Adam Johns, your Brent Richards, uh, those guys in game one. And they'll probably get a good 70 minutes maybe. I'm not certain as to what's going to go on, but you'll probably get a good 70 minutes out of those players. And then you'll sub on some other players that are looking to get some extra minutes. And then in your second game, you're going to have those B roster guys that are going to be looking to hopefully get some first team minutes, you know, kind of an a la late later on in the season where you're getting those games, you know, three games every week, uh, Sunday or Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday game uh, schedule. You're going to need to test that depth. So having two back-to-back games is going to test the depth of, uh, of your starting and your reserved uh, players. Dylan, what about your thoughts? Well, I mean, Brad hit the nail on the head. I think it's a good time to run out the legs for these guys. Um, Really, I mean, we saw in the match against the Galaxy, Jack Imperato kind of faltered after about 70 minutes. Um, We'll be a couple weeks on and a few more matches past that. So it's a really good opportunity for these guys just to finish up getting match fit. Um, whether or not they play in the first match against Tacoma doesn't necessarily matter. Um, the season is so congested that they do need to be around, even without the Open Cup. Um, guys need to be ready. And so I think this is kind of the last little um, hurrah for some of those backup or those bench players um, to get some match fitness and maybe make an argument that they should be uh, maybe knocking on the door of the starting 11 rather than um, just waiting for their opportunity on the bench. So um, yet to know if some of the players that have yet to really feature in the preseason played in Colorado, but um, based on what we're thinking heading into this, would we potentially think that someone like a Thomas Enavoldson 
or some of those other players that are getting limited minutes might play this weekend because there is the doubleheader, Dylan? Man, it's it's hard to say. Um, on one hand, you want guys like Inavilton to get fit. On the other hand, you are looking at someone who is incredibly hardworking, but also I believe almost thirty three at this point, mm-hmm. um, or maybe already thirty three. So you don't necessarily want to preload the legs with all of this fatigue and a meaningless match against um, some college kids, as opposed to like you're going to need him in October. Um, and you need him in September. So I think it's not testing them any more than they, they really need to be tested. Perfect. Uh, and I want to just really quickly uh, apologize for any viewers watching the live stream on the Orange County SC fan page on Facebook. We're having some technical difficulties. I've posted a link on there for the uh, to watch on our actual Facebook page. So hopefully you have found that if you were trying to uh, attempt the the watching of this stream or you know you can always watch us later um, after we are done recording uh let's move ahead uh what we want to do is we want to start slowly uh previewing this upcoming season one of the things i want to do uh with the three of us here we don't have alan or we would have had another name to call out but what i want to do is uh, i want to hear from each of us a, a player on this roster that is, intrigues you or that you're interested in seeing this year or you think is going to have a a solid or breakout season for Orange County. Uh, and then we'll just discuss it a little bit as a group uh, and, and get our thoughts on this. So I'm going to start off with you, Brad, as the newest member of the team. You get to go first on this. Um, so you get to choose from everyone. I don't want us to repeat names. So whoever Brad picks, Dylan, if that was who you were going to pick, you're going to have to uh, scramble and find another name. So being the homer for a team that does not exist anymore, I'm actually going to kind of – not do the obvious choice. Um, and I'm actually going to go with uh, Chris Weehan on this one. Um, you know, obviously he played up here in Reno. He had a, a contract with uh, the Earthquakes at one point, played in New Mexico for a year. But Chris Weehan brings to the team something that, you know, the team needs uh, in terms of distribution. He's going to be that hard worker who's going to create at the top of the, uh, at the 30, uh, the 30, the final third of the field. Um, and honestly, hardworking guy, I don't really have much to say cause I don't want to waste time, but he's going to contribute to the team. Um, when we talked with, uh, God, who was it? I think it was Adam John about who he looks forward to working with. Weehan was the first name off, off his list. So he holds, you know, Chris Weehan in high regards, obviously playing with him a couple or playing against him a couple years back while he was with Phoenix. Um, so look forward to Chris Weehan on the pitch this season. So looking at Chris Weehan last season with New Mexico uh, in 13 appearances, he scored six goals and four assists. Um, so pretty decent numbers, especially, uh, when you're looking at an orange County team that struggled a little bit to get the ball into the net. And Chris isn't the only option that you're going to have for both goals and assists, which is going to make it nice, um, for him and for the whole team. Dylan, what are your thoughts on Chris? Well, he's got some big shoes to fill. Well, maybe not um, literally, because I don't know what size Aiden Quinn wears. I'd guess probably something like a 10. Not that that's relevant, but he does have a really important role for this team. And if he falters and doesn't deliver like he has the last couple seasons for New Mexico, I think this club is really going to have to try and find a workaround. Um, and we saw that happen in 2019. Not that Aiden Quinn wasn't working but just that the system wasn't working halfway through this season we saw a switch to two up top um and and kind of like bypassing the need for a like a 10 or even an eight on the midfield um so i think it's like if he if he performs we're all fine and dandy if not um it's not great <laughs> let's put it that way it's a uh, very very bad news um and it's going to cause a little bit of chaos um, in, a, in a very congested schedule so you bring up, uh, you know, sort of that fill in now for what Aiden Quinn provided statistically. I'm not saying the exact same position, but sort of statistically, we look back at Aiden Quinn last season, uh, Aiden Quinn made 16 appearances, played uh, about 300 more minutes than Chris Weehan, scored two fewer goals uh, and had two fewer assists. And keep in mind, all of Chris Weehan's goals were uh, non-penalty kick goals, whereas Aiden Quinn, half of his goals last season were from the uh penalty kick spot. So um, 
you know, if, if you can even just get that Chris Weehan this season, you know, just statistically, I'm not talking about visual and what you're seeing on the pitch and what's in your heart when you are looking at Orange County uh, as a fan. You got some a really good player that's replacing Aiden Quinn on the pitch if he can keep that statistic, uh, if he can keep those statistics up. Uh, and, you know, I, I get it last season was sort of an anomaly uh, with uh, COVID. And I'm using big words, Dylan. Look at that. I'm using big words and I'm using them correctly. Woohoo. Um, so it, it's hard to compare stats from last season because of that. But all these players went through similar seasons. They all had to play through a pandemic with crazy situations uh, on the pitch, off the pitch and all that. So again, it's not a bad person to be filling in those shoes or those statistics from what we had from Aiden Quinn. I, I definitely am more confident with Chris Weehan, Weehan than maybe someone else that potentially could have been brought in or if we just played one of our youngsters in that position. So that's good to see. Um, Dylan, we're going to go to you for a name. What uh, player are you interested in this season for Orange County? So we can discuss that. Oh my God. There are so many names on this list. Um, we'll have a couple more weeks where we're going to be able to talk know, about more of these players. It really hurts. Um, I think Brent Richards, I'm going to start with that one. And you know, you just made Brad's night. Cause he was, he no, wanted no, to go you, you, did, then... you detracted from my further weeks nights, but <laughs> oh, well, go for maybe it, we can hear your expert opinion in, in a few weeks time, but I know there was some, sort of rumor a couple years ago um, about maybe Brent Richards like becoming a part of Orange County and it didn't work out. Um, and I don't know how serious that rumor really was, but like he's clearly such a good player. Um, and we've seen that just thus far in the preseason, um, but we saw it every time we played Reno and we saw it watching Reno in the playoffs. Like there was a reason that the Reno team was very, very good. And granted, Ian Russell did incredibly well with the not great hand that the team was often dealt. Um, but you have a key piece um, like Brent Richards who can, I mean, he can do it defensively and he can do it going forward as we've already seen. I, I think he's kind of the key. Like he's going to, I think he's going to push Kevin Alston who is, you know, a former MLS all-star and comeback player of the year in that division, uh, like kind of out of the team for a little bit, um, or at least push Nathan Smith out of the team, which is kind of crazy because those two guys both had pretty good 2020s um, and they're not remotely bad players. They are both very good USL players. So um, yeah, Brent, Brent Richards. This is like a Reno podcast now, for being honest. <laughs> I'm okay with the with blue that. jersey that uh, that Brad has on, even. Um, before I go to you, Brad, because you're more the expert, uh, you're going to be able to give us the most accurate information on Brent Richards. Uh, but just looking at the stats, Brent Richards in uh, 2020, he had four goals, two assists. So from a defender, you're getting someone that's also going to be a very vital piece of the offense for your team. He's going to get up the field, uh, up the pitch. He's going to. You know, he gets assists, so he's going to give some good crosses in to uh, some capable scorers, which is really awesome. And when called upon, he can score. And who knows? It may be luck goals like he had in the preseason match against uh, LA Galaxy 2. But hey, I will take any way that ball can get into the net, the back of the net, uh, whether it is intentional or unintentional. You look at the two main starters going into the season last season for Orange County in the uh, fullback positions that would have been Kevin Alston and Nathan Smith, and neither of them uh, recorded a goal or an assist in 2020. So uh, a step up offensively. Now, what I'm going to want to know, and maybe Brad, you can provide some insight in, in this, is is he capable defensively as well? Oh, yeah. Uh, Brent Richards is a capable two-way player on the field or pitch. Um, but you noted his scoring ability. Uh, if I remember correctly of last season, obviously it was last season, 2020 didn't have fans in the stands. Um, but a lot of his goals that happened over the last season were pretty nice strikes from at the top of the box, outside the box um, in some nice areas. Uh, but yeah, he played a lot of games for, you know, he was the iron man for the team often playing, I think he played the most 90-minute games, the most games for Reno, um, and the most minutes for Reno. He played a lot for this team up here. Um, 
very capable two-way player. Uh, but he also used to be a striker when he was with uh, the Portland Timbers U23 and when he was in uh, college at uh, in Washington. So he he does play multiple positions. And I remember one game, the team wasn't having any success up here in Reno scoring, so they actually moved Brent Richards to be the striker for the team. I think uh, there was a bunch of injuries in that one game, and I don't remember what game it was, but it wasn't a good game. Um, but even so, uh, I know you asked me to elaborate on his defense. So, uh, he's a very organized player. He was definitely the, the captain player who managed the back line. Um, Reno over the 2020 season, uh, hold on. I had the stats ready to go. Uh, 21 goals against 43, four in 16 games. And Brent Richards is a huge reason, uh, that it's only 21 because Reno's defense often let them down a lot. Um, but Brent Richards was able to control the game a lot easier um, than, than a lot of other players would um, because easily just based on how Reno played, it could have been 30 goals against easily. Perfect. Good to know. And, and I'm excited to see what he's going to provide for orange County, uh, both defensively and offensively. Uh, really quick, the name uh, of the player that I'm interested to see this season, and, and who knows how much we're going to see from this player this season, uh, but it's it's strictly because he's a tall player that can play up top, uh, and I'm anticipating some opportunities when you have someone like a Brent Richards throwing some crosses in there, or a Kevin Alston, or a Nathan Smith. Uh, and that's going to be Eero Markkinen, uh, who was a talented prospect or, or you know highly touted a player in his younger years, and he's not old, of course, but you know anyone that can make it into uh, Barcelona's uh, squad a- a- as a prospect has, you know, some upside, right? It didn't quite work out. There's been some questions, maybe, about his uh, work ethic or his ability to stay in shape. But I'm excited to potentially see what he can provide. We've seen him out there, Dylan. You were actually at that game against LA Galaxy, and he is all a big player. He's he's not a tiny guy by any means. He you can see he stands over a lot of players out there on the pitch. Uh, I'm anticipating some good uh, headers and some good strikes because, I mean, even in that match uh, against LA Galaxy, we saw some good footwork from him and some opportunities potentially to break through. Um, so that's also something nice when you have a bigger player. You don't anticipate them being able to sort of you know get that, that good break on the goal. Uh, what are your thoughts, Dylan? Well, he's... Um... It's a bit like when we signed Josh Oivold a couple years ago in 2018. And um, it doesn't pick up super well on camera. But once you actually get into the stadium, um, for the fans, they'll get to do so and see him. Or you see him like next to a normal-sized person. Or you see him tower over our goalkeepers. Then you start to realize, like, oh, this is a insane human being. Uh, <laughs> like This is kind of terrifying. Um and I think, I think I said this a few weeks ago, but he really offers something very, very different for Orange County from what we've had in the past. We had Michael Seaton, who's about six foot. Um, we've had Thomasine Wilson really isn't like an out and out number nine, but he's around six foot. Um, we had Ugo Okole last year, who was a little bit over six foot um, and, and could hold the ball up pretty well. But I think now we've got a guy that is massive. He can pull the ball out of the air. Um, or he can play with his back to goal. And this works pretty well if, like, for example, like you mentioned, if he's a player that can't stay fit um, or has a little bit of trouble staying fit in this league, because it is going to take some time to adapt, and you do things like fly to Colorado and then play at 6,000 feet and then fly to Texas. Um, thankfully, not too much of that this year just because of the divisions. Um, so having a player that doesn't necessarily need to be the most mobile um, that is also six five is going to be very very important for us. Uh, what are your thoughts, uh, Brad, on Euro marketing and his opportunities that he's going to have in front of the net for Orange County this season? I mean, six six towers you over every single six five six six towers you over every single player uh, on most defensive lines in the league. Um, no, it's it's a good opportunity. Uh, the only issue I see with Eero is he's going to have a lot of competition, especially with players like Adam John on the roster who are going to be taking up those spots. You know, you don't get an Adam John on your team and not give him the ball as much as you can in a game. Um, 
My one quip about him that it's kind of a joke. He kind of got the short end of the stick in his family. Uh, his brother, uh, Laurie, who plays for the Chicago Bulls, is seven foot. You know, can we get Laurie out here instead? Seven footer. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you know, is do you really need a seven footer on the on the pitch? Um, I don't even. Maybe even maybe in goal if they're very agile as a seven footer. But that might be the only thing I can think of that that's a benefit for being that tall. Um, but I'm excited to see what we can write. And, and just because we're questioning his height, according to fbref.com, uh, he's listed at 197 centimeters, which would be six foot five and a half inches. Um, so regardless if he's six foot five or six foot six, you know, it's still a tall player that it, especially in some moments we've seen coach Brayden Cloutier in the past when the team needs a late minute goal. He'll, he used to throw up Yoshoyville up to the, the striker position at the end of games, hoping to lob a ball in there. Didn't quite work out. And maybe that has to do with Yosh isn't really a striker. He's not used to having to head it into the net. He's used to having to clear the ball uh, with his head. So maybe now you have this tall player that you can put in, in those scenario or situations and it will maybe be a little bit more successful, which would be nice. Um, all right, let's move on really quick because we have a guest waiting in the green room ready to join us here to talk a little bit about what the fans can expect heading over to Championship Soccer Stadium this season. Uh, he's been on our podcast before, and we're going to bring him on again. And that is, uh, man, I'm going to butcher his position. So I'm going to bring him on here and let us, let him, it's Jeff Garner. Uh, educate <laughs> me again, Jeff. What is your title with the club? President of Business Relations. Not too there bad. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> not too bad. Go. Not too bad. I'll settle for um, El Presidente. You want to go with that? <laughs> <laughs> we, will, we will take that. El Presidente Jeff Garner is with us. Uh, welcome back to the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. It's been a while since we've gotten an uh, opportunity to speak with you. Uh, things have changed a bit from last season going into this season, but I'm, I know the club's still trying to find that balance of how to give the fans the best experience they can with the limited opportunities they have thanks to potential restrictions from uh covid how has it been for you personally working through this trying to figure out how to make an amazing fan experience with all this going on yeah i think last time i was on was was uh right after the 2020 season wrapped up and we talked a little bit uh, about the way the season ended which we've certainly talked a lot about during the off season so thank you for having me on you know, I, I've been doing this now for 20 years at, at all different levels in several different sports. Um, this has by far last year and going into 2021 been been the most challenging uh, experience I've ever had. Um, it is it is, you know, so much about the planning that you do in the off season, as far as the fan experience goes uh, and the work that you put in in the off season. And we really have not had a very clear roadmap. Uh, as to to what that's going to be, so we've it, it's been challenging, but the staff has been working extremely hard. We've all been putting a lot of hours in and trying to do the best we can to move with sort of ever moving guidelines. Uh, you know, luckily things are moving in a very good direction in Orange County, knock on wood, and in California, um, we actually are now in the orange tier, and we've gotten the ability to host fans, which we're very excited about. Can't wait to get people back in the building. Um, and we actually are anticipating maybe skipping the yellow tier, actually, uh, and jumping right to this June 15th, uh, less or no restrictions date uh, on the calendar that the governor has put out. So we're we're really looking at this almost like two seasons. There's the first four games, first four home games that that fall before June 15th. And then there's the rest of the season, which we hope will be be somewhat like normal. Yeah. And, and you know, the club released their promo uh, calendar for the season with a lot of uh, wonderful events and, and and things going on for the fans. I believe what three beer uh, planned beer nights, um, three or four uh, dollar beer and what, what's what's titled dollar beer and cheap eats nights, which sounds yep. really interesting for fans that'll be heading out to the stadium. Uh, everyone that watches uh, USL soccer knows about you know Phoenix Rising and their dollar sure. beer nights. Um, is that something Orange County looks at and says we need to try and do something similar to that? And uh, what how is that? How how is the how are the plans working out for that? Because I know I believe sure. there was a little bit of difficulty with that the last time that that was attempted. Is is there uh, plans in yeah. place to make it work a little bit smoother or run a little bit smoother this year? Yeah, yeah, of of course, of course. And and I'll tell you that the promotional schedule uh, will be ever evolving, uh, just because of the timing and and not knowing exactly what protocols are going to be. 
Um, you'll see in the schedule that particularly on the home side, we are we are uh, back weighted with home matches uh, heavily in September and October, which we thought would give us the, the the best chance of having less restrictions and allow us to do a little bit more. So we've got three beer fests on the schedule this year. Those are the traditional beer fest, but you know, with a little bit of a tweak uh, and, and to add some more experience to them, one in August, one in September, one in October. You mentioned the, the dollar beers and cheap beats. We're looking at doing those on, on every Wednesday night game that we have. I think there's four of them. One, two, three, four. Yep. Um, and yeah, we, we will always be learning from, from what we do. Obviously, we've got you know, some, some challenges to overcome when it comes to the stadium and how we operate concessions and, and what we can set up and how we can set up. But we certainly learned from the last time that we did it and the demand that was there. So I think we will absolutely take that on uh, and make sure that we don't don't have a, a repeat of, of what happened the last time we tried it. As far as looking at Phoenix, I mean, we certainly look at the whole league, right? And, and I, we don't mind stealing from people. If it's a good idea and we think our fans will like it, we've got no problem stealing it and repurposing it, and trying to put an Orange County spin on it and getting it out to our fans. I will say the dollar beers is not unique to Phoenix, certainly. Um, and, uh, you know, we just thought that again, it went over well from a, from a standpoint of fan experience. Now execution will get better at, but I think we wanted to bring it back. We thought the fans liked it. We thought it was something that we've certainly seen in other venues, even besides Phoenix that has been popular. And we want to continue to make it a good, um, affordable night out at the stadium. We're excited to get people back into the building on May 22nd. Uh, and then hopefully even in, in bigger numbers after June 15th. You know, you can go ahead and just blame uh, us, our podcast, because I think that night you did the the first dollar beer. We were doing like a live stream right in front of the beer garden area or the the beer dispensed <laughs> area, and we probably were drawing a lot of traffic there as well with the continuous announcements of dollar beer uh, for a lot of that. So hopefully, you uh, you know, everything runs a lot smoother. I mean, it's awesome to hear that the club is trying to throw out all these these wonderful fan friendly nights for the the fans to get back and say especially because you have a lot of fans that have been dying now for you know what 14 yep. months to to get back out to professional sports um and this is going to especially for the soccer lovers this is going to be one of the first opportunities in orange county to do so i know you can travel up a little bit into los angeles and potentially attend a match there but even there it's still very restricted on how many fans can attend and whatnot so it's awesome to see that um what are are you anticipating the the response or the the how many are, are you guys planning to get a lot of fans into the stadium and um are you hoping to get yeah. as many as you can in there yeah i mean depending on how closely you've been following it so we're restricted by the by the orange tier currently to 33 percent however the key part about that is that there's a six foot uh, uh social distancing rule between pods or households so we have groups of two to six seats which are considered pods or households and then you have to have six feet in between them. And so actually, we're a little bit closer to 30 percent um, in, in, in capacity. So uh, we expect the first four games to be at full capacity, given that that 30 percent uh, availability, basically. Um, and then as we get past June, hopefully those those restrictions are relaxed a little bit. We lose the six foot rule. We're still going to see a lot of safety protocols at the stadium uh, throughout the year. Masks are going to be mandatory for sure. Um, we've got multiple gates that will be open so that we can spread out entry and exit security is going to be a little bit different, uh, with what bags you're allowed to bring in so that we can cut down on some of the, the physical security checks. Um, we'll have, uh, we already have mobile ticketing, but we'll expand on that and then also have touchless scanning. So you'll be able to scan your phone or, 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 you know, scan your ticket when you come in, you won't have, we won't have to be, be touching it. Uh, hand sanitizing stations, you know, all over the stadium. Um, and we actually are adding a mobile app, uh, which will be not only the team app, but will be for mobile concessions ordering and merchandise ordering. Uh, and so you've seen that around uh, a lot of different teams, particularly in California. There was actually a state rule change and you are you are allowed to serve concessions. We'll call it belly up concessions, traditional concessions. You can walk up and, and order. When the when the rules were initially announced, you actually couldn't do that. It was going to be mobile ordering only. Uh, some of the larger, you know, the the Dodgers and Padres and Angels had some pretty well publicized fails on on mobile ordering, and so they were able to relax that a little bit. So we're we're still going to unveil mobile ordering. You'll be able to order your food. You'll be able to order merchandise. Go up to a separate 
call it like a fast paced line to be able to walk up and pick up the order you uh, you did over your phone. But you can also walk up traditionally. There'll just be social distancing rules and you'll, you'll be spread out a little bit. So I think we are 25 days away from the home opener. Obviously, we open on the road on the 16th, but 25 days away. So we, we couldn't be more excited. Those first four games will be limited in capacity, like I said. Um, and then we're really looking forward to opening things up. Again, we'll keep those safety protocols. We want to make sure we have a safe environment and that everybody is safe and comfortable coming to the stadium. Um, but then we really turn things up when we get into late June. Jeff, we saw over the weekend, um, at least LAFC, there might have been some other clubs, but LAFC, I think, got the most traction for this one. Um, not only having um some quantity of vaccines available um before the game for fans who wanted to get vaccinated but also a section of the supporters group that was um for those who were fully vaccinated already um so is that something that the club is exploring or looking forward to doing this season yeah so there's there's two different ways you can go when it comes to these protocols. There is a path that has uh, everyone being vaccinated or with a negative COVID test in you know 72 hours before the game, uh, and then you actually lose the six foot restriction uh, and you lose some of the other protocols. Um, so that would be one way to go. We've decided to move forward where uh, we're not going to require vaccinations or negative tests. We were very interested in doing certain sections. Uh, that would be vaccinated sections where you could, could sort of lose that six foot rule. Orange County has told us, and this is different in different counties in, in California, as you point out, Orange County has told us that it's all or nothing. You're either all vaccinated and negative tests or none and you have the six foot rule. So just like the San Francisco Giants, uh, uh, the LA Dodgers, I think recently did it, LAFC, you know, they're, they're experimenting with some of these sections. We actually are not allowed to do that. We pursued it. We'll continue to work with the Department of Health and see if there's a way to, uh, to, to change that before June 15th. Um, and then depending on what happens and what the decisions are leading up to June 15th, we've actually considered, um, you know, maybe moving to a fully vaccinated or, or negative test model. If for some reason come June 15th, we can't open up to a, to a larger capacity, then we may actually switch and move in, move in a direction that requires vaccination. Okay. Um, changing gears a little bit, you obviously released the schedule today, um, and that's a big part of your job. So what is the event that you're most looking forward to for 2021? So one of the things that we we are rolling out this year is a family game night, and it's really the new family game night. You know, we, we've been in our houses, and a lot of us have been having these family game nights uh, in our living rooms with either our, our pod or our, our immediate family. And this is an opportunity for, for people to now get out of their house and come enjoy that family time at the stadium. And so we've got multiple Saturdays, I think there's five of them throughout the year. We're working on celebrity appearances. We're working on a, a girl power or a women's empowerment night, which I think is gonna be fantastic. I'm a girl dad. Uh, I also have a son, but I'm a girl dad. And so I think the opportunity to be able to bring out potentially somebody from the, the women's national team, some, uh, some local business leaders, and have women talk about their experience professionally and what it takes to be successful and to be a be role model for some young girls in the area, I think is going to be fantastic. So that's definitely on my calendar. Uh, we're working on a premium giveaway. Uh, could be a bobblehead, could be a figurine, could be something with the balloon, could be, there's a couple different options we're, we're working on. And so I'm really looking forward to how we end up, uh, you know, solving that. And so I think those family game nights are probably the, the, the things that I'm looking the most forward to. A couple specialty jersey nights in there too, in fact. Uh, so I'm looking forward to, to rolling those out. So, hey, I like fireworks and I love beer fests. And I like the dollar beers. Those are all going to be fun too. But I think those five family game nights are going to be just different than what we've done previously. Uh, and I think fans are really going to enjoy it. And uh, and we're still working on some of the details. That's the challenge of, of the timing of all this. But I'm excited to roll those out and announce them as we finalize the details. Uh, and it'll be really exciting. All righty. Thanks for joining us, by the way, uh, Jeff. My pleasure. So my question for you is, uh, you know, just kind of, doing my research on you uh you were in penn state for a while uh you went down to the san diego fleet right 
Yeah. Um, and you've obviously had great success in those two places, you know. Uh, Penn State loves their sports. Uh, San Diego had a great uh, turnout while you were there. But what challenges do you have with a team like Orange County and such a soccer-saturated uh, market like the greater L.A. area? And what solutions do you kind of take to bring fans into the stadium and say, hey, there's a local team, you know, an Irvine team, a uh, um, Tustin team. Uh, how do you get people in the Orange County area to the stadium? Sure, sure. So, yeah, I mean, when I got to Penn State, they were actually coming off the scandal there. And they had created my job and said, help us get people back, not only to the football stadium, but help us get people back to a brand new hockey arena, you know, national championship wrestling, men's basketball. Penn State's not known as much of a basketball school. Uh, but men's and women's basketball. And so I, I had similar challenges there. Now, the resources you have available to you at a school like Penn State are immense. Uh, and we were able to, to do a lot of really cool things there in, in the time that I was there. Um, but it was a lot of rebuilding. It was a lot of work on fundamentals. I think in San Diego, it was the same thing. We were starting from scratch there. So we were building up. Again, we had we had tremendous resources, probably part of the problem, but we had a lot of resources and, and went through a lot of money there. I think the USL is is such a growing league and it's moving so quickly. Um, and I think it's just a matter of, of Orange County Soccer Club continuing to be competitive, not only on the pitch, but also in the front office with uh, what we do from a resource standpoint. We've been growing the staff. We were growing. In fact, I got here sort of halfway through the 19 season. So uh, last year was my first offseason. I thought we were taking tremendous strides through the offseason. And unfortunately, we had we had one game, really, right? We had a great promotional schedule. We had really started to build some momentum in the community and, and through marketing. We had Spanish language radio broadcasts. We had tele local television broadcasts. We had added some staff, added some ticket salespeople. We were really sort of starting to get there. And we, you know, we, like many, had to pause for for uh, for most of the summer. And so then there was so much uncertainty in the offseason that now we're really starting to you know, kick back into growth mode and starting to bring more people in. We have to be creative. That's probably the biggest challenge is we don't necessarily have all the resources available to us yet. James Keston, the owner, has put a tremendous amount of effort, time and money into the club. Certainly, you can see that on the technical side. Uh, I think the business side works a little bit differently in that we have to be able to produce results first before you can dump too many resources back into it. So the more tickets we sell, the more ticket sales people we can hire, the more sponsorships we bring in, the more promotions we can do and the more marketing money we can spend. So I think we just have to be creative with how we spend our resources. And ultimately we have to focus on what's most important on the business side, which is the fan experience. Um, and as much as we have diehard soccer fans, uh, and that certainly is a part of what we do and, and the experience at the stadium. And we wanna make sure that we keep that and put a great product on the pitch. Um, we also are looking at how do we expand our market to more families, uh, more moms that are making entertainment decisions. How do we do these different promotions to bring people up? And it might not always be about soccer, although that's certainly important. We also want to focus on the experience and give local Orange County families a chance to come out, affordably spend a night out, maybe in some cases get exposed to the game and watch a great level of soccer, but also maybe become soccer fans. They, they don't come there to watch the game. They come there for the beer fest. They come there for dollar beers. They come there for fireworks. They come there for a celebrity appearance, but they leave saying, boy, that was a, we had a great night out. I can't wait to come back. I can't wait to bring my friends. And now I'm a soccer fan. Now, now, I'm a, now I get to sit and actually watch the games and I start to understand and I start to follow the team, particularly when you get into the kids too of those families. So I think being very targeted about who, we, who our fans are and how we grow that fan base putting on a great show every night and having a great fan experience uh, and then reinvesting those things in the club and continuing to grow the resources. I think those are you know, some of the basic things that get us where we need to be. The last piece of this is probably our involvement in the community. We launched the OCSC Community Foundation about a year ago and have done tremendous things in the community already. We've raised money for Second Harvest Food Bank. We've worked with uh, nonprofits in the Hispanic community in Santa Ana and Costa Mesa. We've started a reading program, OCSC Reading Stars, across local schools. Um, and so I think we need to continue to give back to the community. It's a responsibility as being the local professional team. So I think if we make good on that commitment to the community, I think we're going to earn fans that way as well. And each of those things work together to end up putting, you know, putting a, a, a full stadium 
uh, behind our team when, when they take the field. You know, Jeff, we could, we could probably keep going. We probably can ask you a lot more sure. questions and, and keep going, but we definitely always try and keep our podcast at, at under an hour if we can. So I have one last uh, serious question and then one quick fun question for you. Um, and so for the more serious question, did you have any involvement with the recent FIFA tournament that the club, uh, hosted? And if so, or even if you didn't like, what was the fans thoughts or the, not the fan, the, the club's thoughts on how that went? So, you know, that's an area that we want to continue to grow. You know, it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's a core part of our business right now, uh, but it's definitely something we're interested in. We want to grow. Uh, you know, one of the biggest drivers of that is probably James Keston, the owner and his involvement in FIFA. He enjoys playing. Uh, he's not as good as Kevin Alston, but he enjoys getting out there and trying it. And so I think we also, it's a way for us to attract an, another targeted group of fans uh, particularly younger fans. So, uh, I think, I think you're going to see more of those tournaments as we move forward. Um, we, we didn't have necessarily huge expectations for the first one. We really wanted to get it under our belt, start growing from it, start adding to it, start learning from it. And I think you'll see that as we continue. So it definitely won't be the last tournament we'll host. We'll continue to do it. Uh, the fans, the people that participated seem to enjoy it. The players certainly enjoyed it. Uh, they earned a few bucks from uh, from their wins too. So, uh, and we donated some money to charity. So it was for a good cause. And so I think all in all, it was pretty well received. Uh, it, it's uh, it took the step we wanted it to take, and I think you'll see more of them. And each time, I think we'll get a little bit better and a little bit bigger, and we'll continue to to dive into the esports world uh, as we move forward. Perfect. And, and then just one quick fun question for you. Uh, can fans expect some sort of fan race against a costumed mascot at halftime in the games? And if so, <laughs> can I pay you money to get Dylan in that costume one of those games? So we are going to try to change things up as much as possible at the games. Uh, and I love Chick-fil-A and I love that cow. But I got to tell you. We get that that race was starting to get a little old, right? It was the same race over and over again. So we are we we are going to move forward from the cow race. However, I think uh, I am totally up for getting creative and finding some kind of outfit for, to put Dylan in. And I can race him. We can get you know a, a mascot, to, somebody to race him. So I I think we can absolutely I can guarantee we can get Dylan on the field for a race at some point this year, and it'll be as embarrassing as possible. Perfect. That worked. Are you good with that? I'm already training. If you can't see the tan, I'm already halfway there. So uh, yeah, all right, it'll be a good. Well, race. wait till we wait till we put you in a sumo suit, and we'll see how the uh, how the training works then. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome, man. I, I I'm sure all of our listeners would love to see it, and I'm sure even some of the club staff would love to see that as well. Of course, so of course. Cool. We like to have uh, fun too. <laughs> any last message you have for our listeners or any of the fans before we let you go, Jeff? Yeah, we certainly appreciate the support. Uh, season ticket holders had an early pre-sale that started today. They'll be able to buy individual game tickets for the next two days. Um, and then the general public will be on sale Thursday at 10 a.m. You can visit our website to get information, or you can go to Ticketmaster and search Orange County Soccer Club, and you can buy your tickets there. It'll all be mobile entry. We'll make sure we're providing a safe environment. Uh, if you have worry about, about COVID, certainly we do. So we want to make sure we provide that safe experience. Uh, and then we're going to have a lot of fun this year. We're going to battle through the first four games. Uh, it'll be great to have everybody back together and have a little bit of a family reunion. Uh, and then come June 15th, hopefully things will open up. And before you know it, we get into the summer and we'll be we'll be back to normal. So it's really exciting to finally be here 25 days away from the home opener after all this time and all that we've battled through. So I can't wait. I can't wait. It's it's uh, It makes it all worth it. So we're almost there. Almost there. And we can't wait as well. And I know all the fans are just like, they probably have a march on their calendar. They're counting down the days. They're ready to get back out there to the stadium and, and watch some live soccer. Jeff, thank you so much for taking some time to join us on this episode. And we'll have you back on again uh, sometime in the near future. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. We'll, we'll uh, see you this year at the stadium. Awesome. Thank you. Once again, Jeff Garner from Orange County Soccer Club. Uh, it's always awesome to, to hear some of the business side of things when you, when you talk. We, you know, we get to speak to the players quite a bit. Sometimes we get to speak to coaching staff. Uh, but when you get to hear the business side of things of, of, you know, what's going on, what, what it takes to, to do this type of stuff, the promotions, the planning and all that, it's really awesome to, to see and hear, um, Brad, any thoughts on, on anything Jeff had to say, uh, during that conversation? 
I'm very interested in what this family game looks like. Uh, obviously, being up in Reno, I can't make it to every single game down in uh, Irvine. However, with that said, I know, Dylan, it's it's tough. You know, kind of not an easy commute to do. Um, however, with that said, I am doing my best to make it to at least two games. And one of those games is that July 24th uh, family uh, game night day. So I'm interested in what that looks like. And if we can get Dylan in a race costume... That should be the game that we do it in the middle of summer. <laughs> hey, I, I appreciate Dill, you being you know, just being I'll do it, I guess. If 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 I'm being put on the spot, I'm gonna do this race, whether it's an Asumu outfit, or maybe we'll get it in some sort of like, you know, parka or something like that. Get him just all like on the hottest summer day, just put him in like the, the <laughs> thickest clothing we can and have him race. Yeah, Dylan. I don't know if the club's gonna sign off on like giving me renal failure, but <laughs> that's totally cool man that's i mean that's fine uh, just hydrate life, I, yeah it works to a point um in past life i may have made some appearances as a certain small animal that appears on a certain day every spring something about eggs so it's nothing new <laughs> oh yeah, uh, it's I gonna be awesome it. when we can see that um i hope It'll... it's a very competitive race i hope i wipe the floor with whoever i'm racing just get you in one of those like like jeff said a sumo outfit the one that you can barely move your legs so when you try to run you're gonna fall over and then we can have like myself or maybe alan there or if brad makes his trip down then we can just roll you across the finish line or something <laughs> who knows that'll be fun and then you know dylan's vomiting all over the place but hey it's all no fun. one wants this. No one's not going to happen. Way to go, Ray. <laughs> this idea existed for three uh, minutes. <laughs> oh, it's it's all fun and games. Um, let's just we're we're hitting that hour mark, so let's just go really quick through. Is there any other soccer related things y'all wanted to talk about tonight before we uh, wrap things up? Yeah, John John Hackworth is out at Louisville City, which is crazy. Um, also, Oakland. Just lots of shakeups. Um, we saw this last year. Sorry, we saw this two years ago with Sacramento. It was like the week before the season started, and then the manager's out. Um, and they had a good season, but they're also a very good team. Oakland's very unproven. This isn't going to help them any. Um, Louisville, on the other hand, is... Um, I know they, they really played a couple matches in it last year, but let's put it this way. They're in a brand new stadium, and they're expected to be there at the end. Um, they didn't lose by much to the Rowdies and the Eastern Conference Finals, so they are one of those teams. Um, they're expected to be up there. So I'll be curious to see how uh, how the league shakes up um, and how especially those teams shape up to losing their manager uh, you know, a week into the season or less than a week before the season. Yeah, probably not. I mean, that, that has to be a little scary as a, uh, you know, a fan of in Oakland that, you know, your debut season in the USL, you're losing your coach right before the season kicks off. Um, you know, that's, that's a little interesting. We'll see what happens. Uh, any, uh, soccer related news from you, Brad, before we wrap things up? Yeah, the season kicked off officially for some teams, uh, particularly in the East, uh, Louisville city beat Atlanta United, uh, two nil and, uh, Tulsa beat Oklahoma city in Oklahoma city three to one. Um, I don't know if you guys caught any of those games. I watched the majority of both and, Tulsa actually looks like a dark horse in the uh, Eastern Conference if they can keep up uh, the performance they had that one game. Uh, and Louisville is just always going to be a team like Atlanta United, too. They're not really much of a – they're kind of like uh, Portland, too, when Portland was in the league. Um, with that said, I'm going to put on my Allen hat right now and say something, something, San Diego Loyal starts their season this year. We're going to look meh. Everything's going to be mad. Phoenix is going to do Phoenix things. Hopefully we get a result out of it. Alan had comes off. You know, okay. If we're going to bring up Alan that, and that was a horrible Alan impersonation, by the way, um, let, let, let's just talk really, really quick. Uh, Rocket league on the kits for San Diego loyal this season. Thoughts, uh, thumbs up or thumbs down, Brad. I mean, it's on the back. I've never really, <laughs> I've never really once really cared about the back sponsors, but you know, it's a source of income for the team, and it's a pretty cool sponsor. So, always happy to see that. You know, San Diego has the the best sponsors in the league. They got a brewery on the front and a video game on the back. What millennial wouldn't want to watch that team now? Hey, but 
we have heroes on the front of our shirt here in Orange County. You're wearing one of those, by the way. Uh, Dylan, thumbs up or thumbs down on Rocket League on the back of the uh, jersey? All right. I'll give it a thumbs down, if I'm honest. Um, two years ago, I would have said cool, and then they got bought by Epic Games. So, I, I, you know, it's a local. Someone from San Diego is going to listen to this and get super pissed off. Um, it's cool that Psyonix was based in downtown San Diego, uh, or is. Um, it's cool that it's yet another local thing for them, but yeah. such just, a just so soured by them being owned by epic you know oh. um, but i do wish them well despite them uh do you still play the game dylan i don't know after after it was purchased by epic but you'll you'll play games by microsoft just one but that's <laughs> not a conversation for right now that's not any better <laughs> um all right let's get into our last uh, little bit random thoughts here um brad first random thought um i don't really have one i'm actually very curious as to why dylan has such a grudge against epic games um but actually no i just thought of one so my roommates always bring up the idea of uh of sandwiches and what is a sandwich and it's always circles back over to what we talk about here um i saw a tweet by k today and it went like this why do we call it a sandwich and i'll leave you with that wow this is the earl of our generation everyone right because of the earl of sandwich i'll leave it at that wow Okay, Dylan, random thought for you. Um, this is maybe more of a great. Do you have a, you have a book from the Earl of Sand or about the Earl of Sandwich we can read? No, I don't. Um, I do have a cool thing in my hands. It's the first Orange County kit I purchased since 2018. Um, what? It, yeah, it's actually the one um, Brad's wearing right now. It's that sweet, sweet third kit that harkening back to the good old days of the blues back um, at UCI. Um, all right, what's this negative stuff you're going to talk about but now? No name on the back. Also, I'm a little bit sad. Like, I don't know what USL team decided that their kit was worth 90 bucks and all the other teams followed suit. But, I mean, come on. Really? If you're going to charge 90 bucks, you better um, kick some of that cash back into the community or just charge, like, 60 bucks, um, which is probably a little bit more fair of a thing. Also, where where's our season ticket holder discount? What is this? Anyway, um, it's a sweet kit. Um, yeah, don't be afraid to get one. I'm like 5'11", and one's, we'll say 170. It's been a rough winter, um, and I, I ordered a medium. And it's um, a little big, a little true size. So, uh, hey, go crazy. Soccer Garage in San Juan. $9 yes. Dollars after tax. And that's one of the awesome things is you can actually go buy it like in person. You don't have to order it online or wait to go to the soccer stadium to order your kit. Um, so, yeah, get it. Go buy it. It looks awesome. What's wrong, Dylan? Are you in pain? Yeah, just that was a, that's a big hole in the wallet. You know, I hope you stick with these for a couple of years. Um, and just choose your credit card. You'll be fine. It, it goes know, away after a while. My thought is that um, Orange County should be very. Um, environmentally friendly and keep these for a couple years it'll be nice to the fans too because then they can hold on to a jersey and it'll be the same jersey. that's such an unsocker thing to say man you switch jerseys every year that's the way soccer goes that's american soccer that's a marketing thing ray get out of here you big six what do you mean american even in europe they switch the 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 jersey every year yeah because you gotta get that every team yeah okay Okay. get out of here go start your own super (laughs) league (laughs) yeah random thought for me uh, going out to European soccer, Tottenham is in search of a new manager after the sacking of Jose Mourinho. And, you know, Ryan Mason's sitting there for now just holding, you know, taking care of the position. But it looks like, according to William Hill uh, Sports Betting, uh, the current manager in Ajax uh, is the, I guess, odds-on favorite to land the job. Eric Tenhog, uh, I don't know how to say his name. I don't speak Dutch, so... Um, if I butcher that, I apologize. That, like clean. Yeah, I, I don't have the the phlegm to to bust that out. Um, but in all honesty, you know, <laughs> in all honesty, uh, after uh, Nagelsmann uh, is now going to Bayern, it looks like um, that's the the next manager I was hoping to, 
that they would go after. Um, someone that has proven they can win on the big stage with limited talent, um, which is definitely something Tottenham needs. So I'm excited for that if that comes true. Um, there's some other names that are sort of the top of the odds that I'm not too excited about. So that's the one I want to see. Well, Ray, I've done really well in football manager for like six years. So, you know, if you know where I should send my resume and my save file, let them know. I'll let them know. I'll, I'll find someone out there and I'll, I'll let them know that they should hire you. The you got, you've got coaching credentials, right? So you yeah, can, yeah, yeah. I'll do it for the, um, the, the return of the cheese room. There we go. We need that cheese room back at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is the end of our podcast. Uh, really quick before we go, Brad, where can our listeners follow you on social media to hear all your stuff about sandwiches? Uh, four, four words, one Twitter handle, pal on the sky. All right, Dylan, where can people follow you to hear about your complaints about jerseys? And all my complaints about other things. Just kidding, I don't post anymore. You can find me at OCSC underscore Dylan, or perhaps. Way to market yourself on Twitter. I don't post anymore, but follow me here. Or perhaps in the booth at a sporting event near you. Ooh. Yeah, that's for another podcast, Dylan. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at DJ Ray Samora. You can also find me, uh, the podcast on Twitter at OCSC underscore soccercast, or just go to our website, just see what we have going on there, OCSCpodcast.com. For Brad, for Dylan, for our guest, Jeff Gardner from Orange County Soccer Club, and no Allen today. We made it through a whole episode with no Allen. That is weird. Uh, I am Ray. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. There's 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 the dogs. Uh, this is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, and we are out. Oh,